Hello and welcome to the Strength to be Human podcast with your host, poet and playwright, Mark Antony Rossi. In this, our second year, we continue to explore the meaning of being an artist in an ever-changing digital world. Now, without further ado, here is your host. Hi, folks, and welcome back to Strength to Be Human. This is your host, Mark Anthony Rossi, poet, playwright, also producer of this show. We have a, a, a very interesting episode, I think, and, and we're going to sort of approach it in a different way than I normally do. I'm going to be entitling this episode, The Long Road of Lost Potential. It'll be episode 141. We're really getting up there now, and that's that's great. Hopefully we can reach 200 maybe by the end of the year. That's that's the goal anyway. Let's try to do 100 a year. It would be, it would be nice. Now, when we talk about lost potential, we're going to talk about all the various things that can really sidetrack people when, when, they're, when they're in the arts, okay? Especially in writing here, but it could be in any, in any art or any real endeavor. Actually, it could be in any career, and it happens in other people's lives in different careers as well. So we do share some same similarities, but there are some things that really are more specific to, to artists and to writers because we also deal with depression and we have a greater significance of it in our field than anywhere else uh, excluding cops and, and, and the military. Believe it or not, there's more depression and more incidents of people attempting or committing suicide in the arts than any of those other fields. So we, we have a lot to, uh, to deal with and a lot to, uh, to maybe even have to overcome compared to the average uh, careerist uh, out there. Um, there is, and we'll have a show about this, but I can I can mention to you briefly, there is a real connection uh, between mental illness and, and creativity. So there really is. And I don't want anyone to, to misunderstand any of this. Like if you go into the arts, you're going to suddenly become mentally ill. Or if you're mentally ill, you're going to suddenly become some kind of creative genius. Even though there's a connection, it's, it's not like some guarantee, okay? But there is enough of a connection for us to have a, a concern and also for us to sort of keep our guard up and, and be a little bit more diligent about things we might see in ourselves or even in, in others around us. Now, when we're talking about lost potential, what we're really talking about, especially in the arts, is those people that they let things sidetrack them. And, and I don't mean the sidetrack of moving from one city to another, or, or maybe even uh, leaving a marriage, or, or possibly even gaining into a marriage and, and having a child, even though that might seem like some kind of a setback in your creativity or some kind of push aside of it. it. It's not really. I know plenty of people that work through that sort of stuff. So I don't really consider that some lost potential things. You're you're gaining some new perspectives on life, actually, when you, when you gain into the into the marital contract, or even when you become a parent, it really does change uh, a lot who you are, and a lot of the expectations of you, and and even maybe sometimes your worldview on things, especially when you become a parent. So, I don't like to use those as uh, ways to harm your creativity. Even though other folks have said that, I, I find that's more of an excuse than anything else. Okay. Uh, some people might just find it hard being a spouse, or find it hard being a parent, and I can certainly 
understand that feeling and, and even relate to it. But it doesn't really uh, mean that you stop writing or, you know, I give up on this novel because uh, my wife's really getting me angry. It's it's kind of silly. So let's not let's not go there with that. But the kind of lost potential I am talking about are, are those that, for whatever emotional or psychological reason that they have, um, they've let it stop their creativity, or they've let it alter it, or they let it slow it down. I cannot tell you how many people I talk to on a regular basis that uh, they seem to procrastinate, and that's probably the nice word to, to use in this situation. In fact, plenty of people say, hey, ma'am, uh, procrastination is part of creativity, man. Uh, no, it's not really a part of creativity, okay? <laughs> not being creative and not actually working towards creativity. There's nothing normal or natural about that, okay? Something's happened to cause that happen to happen to you, and maybe that's something that you're doing deliberately, or maybe that's something that's happening to you for whatever reason that's causing that, and you can start addressing that. But lots of folks say they talk all that procrastination stuff, but they're not really doing anything about it. So that's why you, you really can't take that sort of a, I feel, an excuse quite seriously. It's just not a good thing. We wonder why so many folks are not prolific. Oh, this is the reason why. You can't be prolific if you're procrastinating, okay? You just can't. You can't be, uh, you know, out there trying to push your art at the same time. You're not believing it for whatever reason. So we can go across the, the litany of various things that cause people to lose potential or become, you know, uh, like a victim of, of lost potential. Some of them are pretty standard and others, they might seem a little different to you. But hey, let's go about it. Of course, one of the major and the biggest things is is folks that that battle various addictions, whether they be alcohol or drugs or, or something along that line. You know, even sex addictions. I know at least two writers that are actually going through therapy for that. And they said that, um, you know, it, it interrupts their creativity. Um, without making a joke out of it, yeah, I, I guess if you're naked and have been trying to have sex all the time, it's sort of hard to get onto that word processor and get that excellent essay out. So, yeah, I, I, I got that. And it's not hard to, to visualize how that wouldn't work. But, uh, <laughs> um Nevertheless, that is also uh, becoming an addiction to a lot of people. We got some people out there that have a porn addiction, cyber addiction. There seems to be so many of these addictions out there. I can't tell you how many of them are legitimate and how many are just, you know, an excuse because somebody got caught doing something, you know? If somebody catches you uh, watching a naked girl on, on, on a computer screen, uh, I'm not really sure if that's really porn addiction or cyber addiction. It could just be that... You're a curious fellow and you didn't lock the door. You got me. All right. So I don't know if that's really the same thing as having to go to a meeting twice a week. You know what I mean? Or literally have to be in a place away from a drug until you, your system has really kicked it out. And then have to live a, a, a different type of life so you don't go back to that. I mean, some of these things they talk about, I don't really know you know, how, how, true deep, how truly deep that is. But I, I can definitely say... Uh, when someone tells me, you know, I'm so addicted to cyber stuff and I'm so addicted to porn and, you know, I like gambling and this and that, that, you know, those certainly are going to be distractions if you want to call them at, at best. And it's certainly not helpful because, again, uh, lost potential. I can't tell you how many people in my lifetime that I've known uh, since I was growing up to now that uh, they are simply walking examples of lost potential. People that played beautiful violin. Don't want to pick it up for whatever reasons. 
other people never want to go into the creative arts because their parents and everybody around them were forcing them to be something that they didn't like to be an engineer or a lawyer or even I even know a doctor I hate Mark I hate being a doctor but you know it's great money that's great um remind me when I get sick not to call on you okay because <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm maybe I'm old-fashioned but I kind of like to have the doctor that really wants to know something about medicine and figure out what's wrong to help me you can still love money but I like to have the medicine to be first just call me silly okay but I understand what that person is saying about that, that that's not exactly their love. And, I, and I'm not suggesting to anybody because the world can be quite complex and, and many issues, uh, especially what's going on now with COVID, that everything you're going to do or every job you ever got in, involved in is, is going to have some some uh, some love relationship with it. It's really great if you could find something to do that you can make some kind of decent living off of that you love. I mean, that's that's wonderful. But it, I don't really hear lots of stories for that. And sometimes it comes for the most unusual people, you know. I, I've heard plumbers tell me, I, I don't really want to do this. I got caught into it because somebody offered me the apprenticeship and, and I make really good money. But, uh, you know, as I'm getting older, it's you know going under people's uh, sinks and houses. Not exactly uh, the most thrilling thing when you're in your late 50s. I'm not sure if I'm going to get out of the house. I'm not sure if it's going to fall on me. I'm not sure if this pipe's going to blow up in my face. Hearing people's insecurities and fears about something you would think they would love about because they make good money from it, it's not the same thing as somebody simply saying, I love the field I'm in. I love this career. I tell you, one of the few fields that I hear about, ironically, IT is one of the few things I hear of people generally say that they're happy in it, that they love doing it. They couldn't think of anything else. And it does make good money for them. Hell, many, many of those people can do it even remote. Never have to even leave their house. Help somebody with their computer and your underwear. I guess that's pretty cool. But most of us don't really have that sort of uh, wonderful luxury. And, and sometimes many of us can look for the entire lifetime to try to find that. While you're still trying to support, you know, your internet and, and your family. And, and the kid that needs shoes every other six months or something. Which, by the way, are not free. For everyone who has to actually have a job. Not a lot, a lot of free stuff out there for anyone like us. So you're out there having to do stuff. Which means that oftentimes you're doing things that you do not like. Possibly even working with people you do not like. Most likely people don't even understand underneath all that. You're a creative person. Wanting to write wonderful things. About a world that's not always understanding of who you are. Or even cares about what you're trying to do. Even though when they do catch on, it's, it's, a, it's a wonderful joy to, to, to hear about. And, and it's a wonderful joy for them to say, I thought this was just a bunch of crappy writing stuff, man. But this is speaking to me. Yeah, that's what it's supposed to be doing. And we're very glad when that happens. Believe me, we are. Because it's what we live for in the end as, as a writer. But the lost potential, it's a recurring theme that I see in, in many people's lives. I'd say... If I were to break it up mathematically on just the emails or the contacts I get from creative people, I really say that possibly close to a third. It's definitely not 20%, and maybe it's not 30%. Maybe it's somewhere in the middle, okay? Maybe it's close to a fourth. But I, I would say between a fourth and a third on a regular basis, uh, you know, consistently, uh, uh, talk about some of the things that are causing them to lose the potential of what they could be doing in their creativity. The amount they could be doing or the quality they could be doing or even the subject matter that they could be getting into. 
You know, uh, the great amount of it oftentimes is uh, matters of depression, which of course does, you know, tail right into, you know, lost potential. But I put it as a separate subject. And of course, all the rest of the ones is on a lot of the general technical type questions. You know, the, 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 the umpteen time about Mark, how do I market the book? Or my favorite one. Mark, you know, I'm a writer, man. I'm not a marketer. Well, you're living in the 21st century, okay? You're a marketer now if you're a writer, okay? Whether you like it or not, that's who you are. If you don't want to do that, well, I guess you just like to be anonymous. But why do all this work to be anonymous when you could just go to the post office, make some pretty decent money, okay, and be anonymous? If you want to be a writer in the 21st century, well, you got to do more. And that's what part of this is. The lost potential of folks that, for some reason or not, can't seem to figure out how to do more. Why should they do more? What about yesteryear? Well, what about yesteryear? We could talk all about that all day long. I, I, sp I spoke to someone recently, you know, about Hemingway. And, and it reminded them that Hemingway and a number of those writers back in those days, they had professional help. And I don't mean mentally. I mean on the page. That used to be the day where they literally had a crew of people, sometimes some of the top people from universities, doing their editing on your books, oftentimes even rewritten, rewriting sections of it. You see these books that are perfect, and we're saying these people are geniuses, and you find out that's not always the case. You find out between connections and because they're a decent storyteller, you know, and they had some, some good ba educational background, but they wasn't putting together perfect novels. They were putting together things that were like Hemingway. Okay, all over the damn place, misspelled everywhere, grammar everywhere. And this is Hemingway. If you saw the original manuscript, you'd probably have a heart attack. How could this be Hemingway? Well, it was. Sorry to burst your bubble. Not trying to rip off anybody's, you know, glow of Hemingway, or or many of these other writers. That's what was the standard back then. We don't do that sort of stuff anymore. <laughs> You're gonna live in form by how good you are, and maybe even how good your editor might have been. But your editor is not going to be coming from the publishing house. It's either going to be some beta reader or, or some professional person you found that actually is honest to help you. And there's not a lot of those out there, I'm sorry to say. Or maybe friends and relatives or, or maybe a combination of everybody. Just to be able to finally get a hold of somebody that maybe could check it out and, and see if they want to take a chance on you. It's not like in those yesteryear days. So I always... I always laugh at people that, 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 that cling to nostalgia because unfortunately, as we learn more about the days of yesterday, we're going to be less and less impressed, okay? I mean, I, I heard a, an old fellow the other day in a supermarket. God, I really prefer the, the 1930s and compared to what I'm seeing right now. I go, well, unfortunately, uh, from the way you guys were operating in the 1930s, it, it really has a parallel to what's what going on right now, Okay. Don't think this is a separate time because everybody's wearing a suit. <laughs> and you had people uh, that were handicapped shoved into institutions. And you had black people having to, to take the elevator in the back if they can even be on the elevator at all. And you had women that barely came from able to vote. Still can barely hold a, a, a job. Money colleges wouldn't even accept them. I don't know what's so wonderful about 1930 when you, when you look at those are the facts of the social fabric back then. Now, from a photograph, oh, yeah, it looks all happy and, and, and gleeful over there. He's wearing a suit and a, and a cool hat and some nice shoes. That's all superficial nonsense. Underneath that, you know, you, you had a society that was still trying to figure out itself and, and still held a lot of people back. 
And I'm not suggesting that now it's, it's paradise. And certainly it's, it's a, a far different world and we have a little bit more to go. That's for sure. But that's the, one of the problems with nostalgia. And we get a lot of writers that get caught up in that on that kind of nonsense. You know? When is somebody going to find me? Uh, uh, nobody's going to find you, okay? You're going to find yourself. Then you're going to find something that's going to help you become a better writer. Right? Then you're going to find an agent. And that agent is going to help you find a publisher. Guess what? Just about all of that stuff you did yourself. There was nobody helping to find you. That's not going to happen anymore. Those days are gone. And that's not a bad thing, actually. Because it leaves now a field more open for people to do things than ever before. Okay? You don't have to be a Hemingway from a, from a wealthy family. And have connections. And give them your books. Barely put together correctly. Not even observing <laughs> novel structure or, or, or basic grammar or even punctuation. Just just hand it in there. This is Hemingway, man. Go ahead. Take care of that. All right? I'm going to go smoke a pipe and uh, I'll try to figure out my next story next year. Okay? Bye-bye. That's pretty much what happened. So you could be enamored over that, but it doesn't sound all that romantic, does it? Sounds like a, a, akin to cheating. Does it mean he wasn't a great writer? No, it, it doesn't. But it's a really bad idea to elevate these people into gods, into idols, when they were just regular people dealing with their own situations. And, and in many cases, even the great writers lost so much potential because of so many problems with social upheaval and their own, and their own miserable and, and oftentimes horrible lives. Two and three, four wives, bottles all strewn all over the damn place, all kinds of drugs, all kinds of nonsense. You know, and if we want to remember them as the best, and we want to remember them as the brightest, and if we want to remember them as as productive, that's all great. But God knows we wouldn't want to uh, copy any of that kind of nonsense. It's 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 in many ways tragic and and sad. We have a time now in this world where we could do something more than that, and be better than that, and even be more prolific than that. I mean, at the touch of a computer right in front of you, you can email somebody in South Africa. You never even have to make a phone call there. You never even have to travel there. And I'm not saying anything's wrong in South Africa. I'm just saying that, you know, from New Jersey, that's a hell of a trip. Okay? But they could do it instantaneously. Boom. Hey, Johan, what's going on, man? Yeah, I like that poem. You could do that now. We could deliver things instantaneously. We see news practically instantaneously. It's harder and harder to get away from anything. Both of my sons, uh, they look at me oftentimes they're like, I'm just going to tell you what happened at school today because there's a good chance that um, you already know about it. Yeah, because they have chat rooms that monitor this sort of stuff. You know, they got a grading system from the state that goes right onto your phone. So you literally know that moment they took that test, what has happened. Okay? There's no more uh, dog ate my homework. Uh, no more uh, I was checking out this girl from the window. Uh, no, none of that stuff exists anymore. I know exactly what happened before you even get home. And I, I judge them in, in a different way than my parents judge them. I have a, a different way of looking at it. It's a modern way. It's a modern way that includes all of this technology. And it's a way that says, you know, I pick you up from school and this is not the worst, the first thing on your, on your mind. It's not the first thing on your, on your, um, on your voice. Then uh, I'm, I'm wondering about why would you think I don't know about this? Why would you think we're not going to talk about this? Why do you think I'm going to put this under the rug? So I can talk about football? Hmm? Talk about soccer? Uh, no. 
So that's how I look at things like that. They're not talking about it first, trying to get in front of it. <laughs> this is what you should be doing. Anyone knows anything about how to operate in, in a world where you do something dumb, it's not a good idea to run away from it, try to hide of it, just confront it and get it over with. This is what I teach them. And when they don't, then they got a, they got a price to pay. It's what I tell writers all the time, okay? Hey, I can't tell you not to drink. And I can't tell you to go to a meeting. And I'm not actually going to either because that's a person's life. But what I will say is that I, I'm not going to put up with the, the unreliability. I'm not going to put up with the, with the nonsense that comes with that on any level. I'm simply not going to. If you want to be a free person and, and choose that way of going about things, you can. And I'm going to be that free person to choose to not be around you because it's not acceptable. It's a waste of everybody's time. You're wasting your time. You're wasting your money. You're wasting my time. And maybe in some instances you could be wasting my money too. So why would I want to go there? This is what lost potential is. It, it's such not only an aggravation to hear about it, but in many ways, you know, it, it erodes the people that, that allow this to happen. Because you lose some of your artistic value and you lose some of your creativity and, and your, your fever of it. You, you lose it all by letting it go to the wayside because you think other things might be important. You know, they used to laugh about, yeah, he's in the back the closet over there um, writing a great American novel. Yeah, and the reason why they used to laugh about that, because it's not really a stereotype, it, it's actually a, a calling card to procrastination. It used to be a way to tell people, come on, get get off your butt and get this going. This is what you're going to be doing. Go do this. Don't be uh, working on a novel for 10 years while you're a journalist or something. I've been kind of busy. Yeah, okay. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how much I've written in 10 years. Are you kidding me? Are you still on the, 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 the same book? So it's part of what, what they were talking about when they say that. That uh, that form of expression is not really a cliche or a stereotype. It's really a warning about the dangers of procrastination, about the dangers of, of losing potential. How many people I've known that could have been great singers, they decided to not go into that life. You know, Mark, I just fell in love with the guy and I just wanted to have kids. Okay. You know, Mark, I... Uh, I really like the idea of just cutting the record, but not actually touring. I mean, I don't want to be, you know, leaving my friends and family. And then five years later, when all their friends and family have moved away and doing other things, they're like, what do I do now? I, I don't know. Can you go back to singing? I mean, is that something that you can reinvest in? Is that possible? I don't really know. I don't know a lot about singing, but I know about creativity, and I know that once you start eroding it, once you start making it lose its edge, it's much harder to come back. It's not impossible at all, but it is a lot harder. And I can't tell you how many people I know, you know, that they're still working on projects for I don't know how long. I'm like, are you going to get that done? Well, I decided to start another project. That's great. How many at this point of unfinished projects do you have? Do you have like, what, five or six right now? Because I don't know if that makes you feel better as a writer to do that. I got stuff going, man. I'm juggling things. Uh, I don't, how about you just freaking complete something? Okay, that would be nice. Because we are, especially as creative people, what we choose to do. So if we choose to do that, 
you know, we're choosing to be procrastinators. We're not choosing to be creators, then. We're not really choosing to be artists. You know, we're just choosing, choosing to be people that are can be artistic from time to time. Uh, that To me, that definition, it skirts on being a hobbyist and not being a, an artist. And that's what you don't want to be because what's the point of all this? There's so much that we have to do to become and to stay as artists. There's so much that we often have to explain to our loved ones, to ourselves. I don't know if anyone's ever shared this before uh, with you or if anyone's... Uh, has the same thing that has happened uh, to them as it happened to me. But, you know, I've had times in my life where I literally had to tell somebody I was dating. I'm going to have to take a pass because I'm on a swing on something over here that it's not going to go away. And I don't want to I don't want to lose that, you know, that that whole flow there. So we'll take a rain check. If you're still around, that's great. If not, God bless you. And, you know, good luck. That's the life of a writer and, and, a, and an artist in, in a nutshell that. Sometimes that has to get done. Because if you're not willing to do that from time to time, you, you miss things. You, you miss the, the potential of what you could have done, what insight you might have gained. It does mean sometimes you have to make a sacrifice. I mean, to yourself, to your art, to your sleep, sometimes to your marriage, maybe even occasionally to your children. I, I tried my best to, to try to balance that, but it doesn't always balance well. I'd be the first to admit that. I'm not in any danger of losing my kids or my marriage, thankfully, because I, I, I try to stay on top of everything. Uh, but I understand that that's there, and there's no way to take it for granted, both the relationship and the, and the writing, no doubt. But it's important to note that as an artist... Those are some of the things that we have to face on a regular basis. It's not a one-time thing. Yeah, you know, this time I'll put them to the side to get this done. These things are going to happen on a regular basis. It's a recurring thing, a recurring theme in all artistic people. Sometimes we lose potential not because we're lazy, and sometimes we, we lose potential not because we're drug-addicted or, or, or drunk or, or acting the fool. Sometimes we just lose it because... We make choices that are not exactly artistic. You know, Mark, I decided to give my marriage a couple more years of attention and I just don't want to do this anymore. All right, cool. Have a good day and I'm going to go on ahead then. I do wish you luck and that is always going to be from the heart. But we are the choices that we make. You know, I can't tell you how many divorced people I talk all the time. Oh, my God, I wish I just stood with this instead of uh, going into the, the motions with something I knew wasn't going to work in the first place. Nobody could tell somebody that otherwise. Who knows? It's only in their minds. It's only in their heart about what's happening. But those choices that I'm explaining to you, they're there and they're real. They're not going anywhere unless you make them go somewhere, unless you decide to step out of here or step out of there. But those are still choices you have to make on a, on a regular basis. You know, if you want to stick with this art, if you want to stick with this writing. Some people, they're not willing to do that or not able to do that. And that's fine. I don't think, and I, and I mean this sincerely, I don't think it, you become less of an artist or less of a writer if you don't want to be prolific. If you don't feel like, you know, uh, you can afford to put 100% of yourself into it. I don't think you're any less of it. I, I do do, though, believe that 
you know, when you do cut down on that pizza pie uh, of potential, you know, Mark, I'm, I'm not doing eight slices here. I'm just going to do like, you know, five, you know, that you, you do reduce your chances on, on many levels, on many things autistically. And that's just, that's just a fact. It's a fact of math. It's a fact of life. It's a fact of art. And so, of course, a fact of the choices that we make. There isn't always possible that we can have it all. We all try. I don't know how possible that is, you know. My wife laughs sometimes with me. And she says, uh, I-, I wasn't even sure if you'd make it through this thing, Mark. I go, well, you know, I've always been honest with you. I'm not the natural husband, and I'm not the natural father. It's not in me that I sat there one day on, on a stoop in New Jersey and said, boy, I can't wait to get married, and I can't wait to have kids. I waited a long time to do that. There was a reason for that. It wasn't an accident. That was on purpose. And, and I don't mean that to be mean to anybody, including my wife. And I certainly don't, don't advocate one way or the other. There's just as much as pros and cons uh, of getting married and having kids much later in life than there is getting any younger in life, okay? There are. There really are. So those are choices you have to make and, and the consequences you have to face. You know, somebody joking in the supermarket all the time. Your, your grandkids are, are cute. Yeah, thanks. Uh, those are my kids, actually. And, um, yeah, I got white hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but everything still works here, okay? So I'm doing just fine, all right? Probably in better shape than your husband and your grandfather. All right? <laughs> but that's what you have to listen to because those are the choices I made. I won't be too offended, but I am going to be a little annoyed. But nevertheless, I-, I made those choices, so I have to live with those consequences. Consequences of people talking behind your back. I can't believe he's running. I can't believe he's playing tennis. I can't believe he has little kids. I can't believe he's retired. I can't believe he's working. All these things they can't believe. And you go, that's your damn problem. There's a whole lot of things you can't believe. What the hell do you believe? Because I believe in a whole lot. All right? I believe in my country. I believe in my, uh, my Air Force service. I believe in my career. I believe in my writing. I believe in my wife. I believe in my kids. Yes, I actually even believe in God. And maybe I'm crazy. Maybe I'm arrogant. Maybe I'm overconfident. Hell, I could be all of those things. But I happen to think that I can believe in all of those and still have a life that I want to have. A life that's not going to be filled with all these silly compromises that people make on a regular basis and then rationalize it on why they did that. If you got to put it aside, be honest with yourself. If you need to only go at it at a certain angle, great. Go at it full force at that angle then. But again... Be honest with yourself. Don't lose potential because you want to make up a story about a story. Don't lose potential because you can't even be honest with yourself. And certainly don't lose potential because you're just afraid of everybody around you. It's one of the most unpopular things that I hear from people on a regular basis. The long road of lost potential. It's littered with bodies of those that want to live in fear, continue to ingest or absorb all the people around them that tell them the things they shouldn't do or what they can't do or, or what they won't tolerate from them. And it, it puts a lot of pressure on artists, I, I feel. And, and some of that has to do with, with those outside factors. I mean, we're still responsible for our own conduct and our own choices. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to say that, you know, you, you just have a ready-made excuse. Uh, yeah, my husband wouldn't support this, so I couldn't do the novel for a couple of years. I mean, you, you need to find a way to get it done if this is really what you want to do. 
I would never suggest to somebody that, you know, you need to harm a relationship over it, but you should be coming to some kind of terms somehow. I, I know I made it a, a factor, just like I, I, I do with, with, with jobs over the years. I made sure that there were certain things written into the, you know, into the agreement that, you know, that, that would be observed. That I got a vacation coming up, so you know, we're going to be honoring that. And I expect certain hours because I got a family and blah, blah, blah. No different than when you you enter a romantic relationship with somebody. Listen, I'm a writer. There's some things I got to do. You know, I keep some unusual hours. You know, I'm not always going to be around at your back and call every five minutes. And it doesn't mean I don't care about you. I don't love you. But this is also important to me as well. So this is what you're getting involved in. If that can't work with you, then we should go our separate ways now rather than later. I don't mean it to sound business-like, but that's the truth of the matter. I mean... It, it's no different than what a single mom has to tell somebody every time they date somebody else. And they get serious enough. You know, hey, the children come with this. You understand that, right? It's no different. In many ways, your, your artistic talent is like that child that you're bringing with you. That maybe somebody, you know, was tolerating now and then. But when things get deeper, suddenly they, they, you're supposed to put this away. Really? I'm going to put this in the attic? Uh, no. I might put you in the attic, but... I'm not putting this in the attic. So those are the things we have to really decide upon as as writers, even as as, a, as people. Because more times than not, you're going to find people that you're going to meet in life with these issues of lost potential, and you'll see them harming themselves and abusing themselves, maybe sometimes even others. Because it eats up inside all the things they could have done and they didn't do. Because they made bad choices. Because they didn't make the correct choices. Because they choose one thing over the other. Because they let all these other things get in the, in the way. Meanwhile, continuing to make lies and excuses and stories up. Well, we can't be that as artists if we can't be true to who we are. And what we're trying to do. And if that means that you have to work that much harder in life to surround yourself with people that are going to give you that support. Or at least give you the room and not give you a hard time about it, well, that's it's worth it to do. Trust me. Because there's nothing worse than trying to do this hard and difficult job where you're plumbing your soul and you're reaching out for the universe and you're trying to get things done that no one's done before. And all you do is you got a quarry behind you just singing about how much you suck, about how much you shouldn't be doing this, how this doesn't make any sense, how I don't understand it, so therefore I'm afraid of it. All the nonsense things you've heard over centuries of humanity, you can literally hear in your household if you allow that. And I'm telling you, don't. If you're, it's already too late for that and you really let that happen, well, then you need to cut in some, some corners, okay? They say in marriage you should have a date night every so often. Well, I don't know, have a writing night or something. Do something that's going to help try to make some, some kind of peace with what's happening right now. Because obviously it's not always practical to ditch this and to ditch that for it. I understand that. I'm not a, I'm not a crazy person over here saying any of this. But if it means something to you, if it calls to you at night when you're not giving it enough attention, you know that's, that's talent, and that's creativity. That that's that's your muse. It's not some, some demon out there trying to hurt you. Certainly isn't any drug calling your name. Nothing like this will ever call you the way creativity does. You feel it rush on you and you're like, 
it's here. Well, yeah, it is here. And now what are you going to do next? It's no different than, uh, you know, that bird uh, in, in the Harry Potter movies. That not, uh, really cool owl. When the owl is coming to visit you, he's not coming over there to say hello. He's not coming over to get a cracker. He's not coming over to poop on your, on your, on your windowsill. He's coming over because he needs your butt out of there and, and over to where you need to go. He's a messenger. And that's what the muse is. That's what that feeling that comes over you is. That's something in your gut that you feel sometimes. It's that message from someplace else. That it wants you to engage in the computer and your phone on a piece of paper on a damn napkin uh, of a restaurant that you don't even remember anymore. It wants you to do something. And it's, and it's time that you do take that seriously. It's time that you listen to that voice and that feeling. That un, that unusual thing that comes over you. Because that's where you get back on to the road of potential. Rather than being on the road that there isn't any potential. It's just constantly lost. You know, it's like the unfinished painting or the half an opera. I mean, it, does it make any sense? I mean, what the hell is an unfinished painting? Uh, I don't know, a piece of garbage? What's a half an opera, huh? I'd rather have a half a sandwich. Let's, let's be serious here, okay? All right? You can't even tell me the second man that went onto the moon. People don't remember any of that kind of stuff. They remember the first and that was it. They don't remember the second. They don't remember the third. They're not going to remember the half a poem. Or your half-ass effort. Or your half play. Or your half opera. Or your partly finished painting. Hmm? Hey, I got these great ballet steps down, but I'm not really done with the rest of it. This is what I got to do. Yeah, okay, thanks. Get out of the way. Come on. No one's going to remember that. No one's going to care about that. They care about something complete. Even if they don't understand it, you're still going to get marks at least. That is done. God knows I'm going to give you credit because I know how hard it can be. And I'm not trying to make this uh, show and lost potential some sort of weird exercise in, you know, in tough love or something. I don't even believe in that concept. Be actually, you know, be honest with you. It's just a, it's just the facts of what I know, what I hear all the time. It becomes grating on my nerves to hear people, you know, tell me about all the things they want to do and have zero plans on how to get there. Because when you say stuff like that, you're really just talking about a dream. And, and I'm sorry, folks, I'm not a believer in dreams. I'm a believer in doing. Even if you fail, I still, you did something versus like, I dreamt, you know, I dreamt about that, Mark. Yeah, that novel was deep, man. It was just awesome. Yeah, like 600 pages. What do you got, man? I, I got like five pages in, uh, you know, a year? Okay. You keep dreaming. See how much that's working for you. We need to be doers. Not dreamers. Now, I'm not to say that a dream is not important in the very first phase of things. Sure. I remember um, when I was Germany... And I was dreaming about buying that first computer. I was dreaming about how I can transfer all the writings I had. Where I literally had to uh, do it on the typewriter. The ribbon kept going out after a while. I couldn't afford an IBM Selectric, which was very expensive and very heavy back in those days. 
I had to get one of those little brother personal typewriters think. Horrible device. It did the job it had to do, but I swear that my work always looked like it was... Even when it was perfect, it looked like crap. Because the fonts are all off. It's all over the place. I couldn't wait to get in a computer where I can actually store something on a regular basis and just simply hit a button to print it out. Now, those old dot matrix printers, they were crap. Don't get me wrong. But they were still better than my stupid little typewriter I had. It was just important to have. That kind of a dream. And I made it all happen when I got it. Worked right on it. Converted everything over. I've been converting ever since. Every time there's something new that comes out that I can find use in, I'll do so. I even recorded one of these shows, that um, that Grumpy Grammar Grapefruit show. That, that entire show was recorded on a, a mini MP3 player. You could fit it in, in the palm of your hand. I literally did it in my car in a parking lot. I just wanted to see how it would work. I can't believe how good it sounded. One day, if I ever get in that predicament again where I just was stuck somewhere and I had to be someplace. I just couldn't drive around and everything. But I wanted to get a show out. I just literally did the show with some basic notes I had in my car. Worked. I was able to clean up some of the background noise. Worked out. Most people don't even know that ever happened. This is probably the first time I ever mentioned it. So we could do all kinds of things. Not just because we put our mind to it. Because that's not a hard thing to do. If we make it a priority, that's it. That's just, it's really that simple. You can't be any more simple than that. Or I can't believe all the things we make a priority on. You know? Make a priority to get that car oil change. Make a priority on waxing your vehicle. Making a priority on getting to your date on time. Making a priority to get to your class on time. Making a priority to, to, to get out of work and, and have your work done so it's not living behind your mind. A priority to get a, to get a sandwich with a pickle on it. But somehow we can't make it a priority to, to finish our, our, our writing. To continue with our arts. We have lots of excuses though. But this is how lost potential happens. Because it's not a priority. Because we don't have any kind of a plan. You don't have to be a gigantic life strategic plan on writing. Just a plan for the week even. I'm going to do this, 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 kind of that, that, that. Not even that. I'm just waiting for the right moment. Yeah. That's called dreaming. Okay? That's what a dream is. Waiting for the right moment. But that's not doing. All writing in the end is about doing. You have to get to that. You have to make it a priority. You have to carve something out in your life if you want to make it happen. Otherwise, you're stuck with that lost potential. So many have gone before you. So, with my father's joke about the ten violinists and how maybe two of them are going to actually get anywhere in life, I can't even imagine how many writers there must be that God has made. I'm, I'm serious. There must be like a million or something. Because I already heard like a half a million excuses probably just in the last two weeks alone. Mark, I injured my leg, you know. I'm, it's kind of, me, uh, kind of holding me back on finishing this. Oh, man. I don't know. Does your leg, like... Hit the typewriter keys or something because you don't have arms anymore. Hmm? Can you connect a pencil to that thing and put that on the notepad? Is that what happened? Because last I checked, I didn't really need my legs to get this done. I'm certainly not wishing I'd lose my legs or you, but I don't see the connection. I mean, some things truly are black and white. I know there's a lot of gray out there. As an artist, you have to accept that. 
I don't care what kind of philosophy you have in life. It's very difficult to have a black and white philosophy and be an artist. You really, you, you have to accept certain things that are beyond that. And I do. I have no problem with that. But there are certain things that are, that are very black and white. <laughs> Either your creativity is a priority in your life or it's not. It's just that simple. There isn't really anything in the middle. Well, I dabble here, I dabble there. Okay, that's not a priority. I got you. All right, no problem. I don't say this is a way to look down on you. I don't say this is a way to secretly mock you. Or even take you less seriously. I just have to say that's not a priority for you. If it's not a priority for you, I have no right, and neither do you, to really expect anything great or grand that's going to come out of that. Because like anything else, you can't be a great athlete if you're not constantly working out and practicing. If you're not trying to figure out the best things to do with your body, with the atmosphere you're in, with everything that's going on. Even in, even in your social life, all of that stuff has to be lining up in such a way for you to be able to, to perform at that kind of level. Why is it that an athlete can do this, but you can't? Uh, let me see. Uh, they made it a priority. That's why. Because it really doesn't have anything to do with talent. Remember, we got plenty of athletes out there that uh, run themselves out of their leagues because of their stupid behavior. Arresting here and, and drunk driving there and do all kinds of dumb things. And wonder why they don't have a career anymore. It didn't make them not talented. It just it just pulled them out of the game. And if you're out of the game, you're not you're not able to perform. It's no different than creativity. You don't stop becoming talented just because you don't feel like writing today. And you don't stop becoming talented because you manufactured a rationalization on why you think you should just do it on a part time basis and just let the the moves flow whenever it can. Great. There's nothing. There's no law out there saying you can't be a hippie with that kind of attitude. Of course you can. But don't email me and don't moan to the world. I don't know why I'm not able to do as much as this other person. I don't understand why I can't get this kind of quality in there. Well, because you're not doing enough. Because you're not doing. Because it's not a priority. It's just really that simple. There's no other way around it. There's no great mystery of it, okay? There's no... There's no secret Loch Ness Monster that we have to find out there, okay? It's all on you, because it is you not committing to it. We talk about this all the time, as people in our lives, you know? Is he committed to her? Is that relationship going to last? Huh? Is she committed to be a, a mother under these circumstances? Hmm? Is he committed to run for that office and actually try to carry out Things that will be important to his community. We talk about commitment all the time. And how the lack of it is, is a problem with people. Why would it not be any different in writing or in the arts? That commitment needs to be there. Even if it's to the point where some people say, Man, you really think about yourself a lot. Hey, you can call me that kind of name if you like. But this writing isn't going to get done by itself. Okay? The computer isn't going to suddenly hit this keyboard. All right? Spirits from the great unknown are not going to over here and move this pen and get something going. So if I'm not doing it, who the hell is doing it? You? I don't think so. You probably barely can spell your own name. So don't worry about somebody's uh, weird prejudice or, or, or strange mockery. Because guess what? That's who we are as artists and, and as writers. We're going to be a bit selfish now and then. It's necessary. And I don't really feel that's even selfish, you know? I just use the word for the entertainment, the show's sake, 
It's not something I really actually believe in. And the reason why is because many of us are doing many things in our lives. So when we get the time to finally sit down and do some writing, I, I think it's ridiculous to even call it selfish. I mean, really. You've just done uh, help clean the house up, take care of the spouse, get the kids all set up over there, make sure your, your, your job's going well, make sure the bills are paid over there. You're doing five, six, ten things in a, in a day. You sit down for an hour and a half and you're supposed to feel guilty about it? Yeah, I'm real selfish over here. Mm -hmm. This is like the 15th thing I've done today. And I finally got to do this now after doing the other 14 things, which, by the way, not too exactly happy about doing on a regular basis. Okay? I got no problem admitting that to you. There's days when it's a blessing to be married, and there's other days where it's like, God help me. There's days I absolutely love being parents and, and so proud of them and, and, and just just love them to death. And there's other days where it's like, can you just get away from me and go play a video game for a moment, please? Okay? I can't even, like, have you in the room. I'm serious. It's just like, ugh. It's just me being human. And, and like the show, Strength to be Human. Sometimes we need to be strength to be human. We need strength to be artists. You know? And just we, we need that kind of strength. We just don't want to get it from the wrong places, out of a bottle, out of a needle, out of a damn pill bottle, or, you know, or alcohol bottle, or, you know, out of just some weird rationalization. We want to try to get the strength from understanding that if, if we're living responsible lives and we're trying to do responsible things, that this can too be a priority. We don't have to have it being lost. We don't have to... You know, maybe it'll take longer, and that's okay. I can't tell you how many housewives I talk to on a regular basis that are working on a novel right now. And some of them are pretty damn close to being done. Some are already done, and they all tell you the same thing. I had to balance stuff. I had to juggle stuff. It took longer than I'd like, but I got it done. Maybe it took them a year or two longer. Oh, well. There's nothing wrong with that. What's wrong is stopping for dumb reasons. That's what's wrong. Completing it. Well, that's that's a success story right there. That's exciting. To me, that it's invigorating to even hear that when, when folks say, I got it done, Mark. It took longer, but I got it done. That's fine. That's what you're supposed to be doing. It's it's an important goal, whatever that project is, to get, to get it done and com complete. We all live these very busy and, and complex lives. Even those of us that are retired, they don't have to juggle as much. Just because you're retired doesn't mean that you have all this time. I'd be surprised at how many retired people, they seem busier than I am, and I'm busy. I'm like, what the heck are you doing? I'm going to fit this in. I mean, you didn't fit this in until you're retired. <laughs> well, they're doing a lot of important projects. A lot of things maybe they want to get down to that, you know, they didn't get to do before. They didn't have enough time, or they just couldn't devote themselves to it. I know a guy that uh, he, he restores these old cars. He goes to the car shows whenever he can. He makes it like a, a real big part of his retirement mission and still does some writing. And it's not a coincidence that a lot of his writings are about cars, but hey, there's nothing wrong with that. That's what makes him happy. He does a good job at it. I'm happy with him. But there you go, right there. That's somebody that says, I don't want to lose potential. I want to go and do these car things and do the work and show them off, talk to people. That's what I want to do. And I want to write some stuff about it as well. And even though you might want to say he's a part-time writer, and in the end, I take it very serious because his writing is very good. And, and I enjoy what he's trying to do. Not too many people are doing it anyway. And it's coming from his heart, and it's coming from directly what he's loving to do. This is making it a priority in a different fashion, but still, it's a priority. And this is how we have to figure out 
how we can tailor the potential that we can actually have with things that can be lost because we've made excuses or because we didn't figure out our own time management or we didn't figure out how to negotiate our own feelings or our relationships or the various ties we have to the community or, or, or what our job has to say about this and about that. It's not always something you can do every day. And I don't, I don't want anyone measuring things that way. That crazy Stephen King method. I must write 1,500 words even if they're all crap every day. Well, I'm not a writer. What works for somebody else is not always going to work for you. I found that, that advice to be useless, okay? It works for him. God bless him. Does he really do it or not? Hell if I know. It might be just something we threw out there because he wants to sound like uh, he has something to say about writing. Some writers don't have a lot to say about it. They just do it and that's that. That's what he says works for him. That's cool. But don't forget, he's filling in blanks on storylines that he already has put together. So when he's putting in these words, that's what he's doing. It doesn't matter to him that maybe a couple thousand of them are useless or something. Because he's cutting what he needs to cut to get the storyline going. Because he already has that storyline and many instances already plotted out. That's his style. That's his craft, the way he does things. That's his ritual. Doesn't mean it's going to work for you. You have to find your own. And the last part of the show really is about trying to find your own ritual and try to find your own rhythm so that you wouldn't lose potential. Because some people lose potential just because they just haven't paid enough attention to all the things that are happening around them. And they get themselves distracted, not on purpose, not because it's an excuse, but because it really gets entangled in what's going on. Mark, I'm not really sure how to navigate this. Well, I, I literally had to tell somebody, I'm telling you right now, you're literally better off writing a bit of your life down on an actual calendar, all the things that you do. And look at it on the paper to see where there's openings, where there's things you can move and change around. See it before your eyes rather than just get overwhelmed from the emotion of it all or just the sheer workload of it all so that you can see what you can do. You might literally have to pencil in yourself an appointment to write. I, I know people that do this on a romantic basis, okay? I, I know it doesn't sound all terribly exciting, but they do. And there's plenty of people that do that for hobbies that they have, you know? This is the hour I'm going to do to edit my... Uh, my mixtape on uh, on cool in-house uh, music from 1984. Uh, you know, I mean, fine. So who says you can't do that for writing? That could be one way. It's not the only way. That could be one way. But looking at literally your social calendar, so to speak, and see what's out there. See what you're doing. See what you can't be doing. See what you shouldn't be doing. See where there's going to be places where you could do stuff. Maybe places or maybe there are times or maybe there are situations that you could do this that's not going to be in people's way. That's not going to be in your way. That's not going to be filled with all kinds of noises and distractions and all kinds of crazy stuff that demands your attention because creativity demands your attention as well. Figure that out. Find that out even if you have to map it on a piece of paper. You'll be shocked when you see it. Wow, what in the heck am I doing? I had a guy do this. He goes, I, I can't even believe what you told me. It, it sounded like the most dumb advice I ever heard. I did this and I'm like, you're right. I'm looking at just like half crap over here. What am I doing? I'm like, I don't know what you're doing, but it sounds like you're wearing yourself out. Not good, especially when you're older. You wind up lowering your immune system. The next thing you know, you get that horrible cold that it takes you like a month to shake. I've already done this. I think like three times already, actually. Not fun. 
I thought I had something serious going on. Doctor, I got cancer? Uh, no. Once you lay off in some of the work and try to get a little bit more rest. And uh, there's no antibiotic for a cold, by the way. So um, you're just going to have to like suffer through it. Have some chicken soup. Uh, peace out. And thank you for that big office visit fee. Thank you. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I appreciate that, Doc. Mm -hmm. So that was on me. So you don't want to be careful with that as well. But nevertheless, he saw all the things that he had done or was doing in his life. And he had realized by taking a real account of himself that he, he just said a, a yes to a whole lot of crap that he really wasn't really invested in. That he really didn't have any heart into it. He just said yes because he didn't want to disappoint this person or that person. Folks, huh? Life is a lot a lot about saying no. And I find lots of people that have problems in their life is they don't know how to say no. They don't know how to say no to anything. Mark, you know, I'm kind of having a tight budget. I'm, well, I don't know. Maybe we should say no to your kids once in a while. All right? You know, Mark, I, I got like 87,000 children. I mean, yeah, maybe you might want to say uh, no to having any more. There's plenty of ways to do that. This is one of the problems he was having. He just could not say no to things. And he wound up having a, a schedule and having a life that was full of all kinds of things that he really wasn't really caring about. He really wasn't invested in it in his heart. It just wasn't part of who he was. He just didn't want to disappoint people. It's a bad way to go about things because, quite frankly, your life should be some sort of decent balance between what you can do to help others, what you can do to help yourself, what you can do on people that are vital that you don't want to disappoint versus other people. Listen, I'm sorry, I, I can't do this as, as much as I'd like, or maybe this is something I can, you know, look into at another time and go about your business. No one says that you tell somebody something, no, that you need to be rude about it. You know, you don't have to be unkind, but you do have to be honest to yourself. You know, do I want to devote this when I could be doing something else? It's, it's not an unfair way to go about things. It's not wrong. It's not rude. You know, in, in many ways, it's, it's actually righteous. And it gets you right back on the road that you need to be so that you don't lose potential by wasting your time on things that are really not that important to you. You just couldn't say no. You have to learn to say no. And when you say no to the things you don't like or don't really want to be involved with, you can start saying yes to the things that really are important. Whether that be family, or career, or creativity, or maybe all three of those. And if you have all three of those going, well, guess what? You know, you only have so much room left for, for any more yeses anyway. So you might want to go back to no's. <laughs> That's really how it works. You can look at it in a pie chart if you want, like a pizza. Eight slices, you can look at it like that. Any way you want to look at that. But I find that's a common denominator on people that feel overwhelmed. Or people that they wind up fostering. Uh, their own writer's block because they emotionally stress themselves out because they are stretched too thin. It doesn't do any good for you to be out there doing too much. Not only do you harm your creativity, well, guess what? In the end, you, you harm your health. And I've done that a few times already. So I'm telling you from experience, it's not the best thing. I've tried to pare some things down. I tried to make sure that I, I make a more of a priority of getting a little bit more sleep. Maybe not a lot more than what I really need. Not exactly everything the doctor is telling me, but I'm not going around trying to do three hours of sleep and, and think I'm, I'm 18 years old anymore because I'm not. And it's, 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 it's foolish to, to think that, you know, uh, my brain might feel that way, but my body is not. And I need to listen to that. 
And just like you need to, to listen to your own. And listen, like that guy did when he wrote that stuff down. He was listening to his life. Looking at it in front of his eyes going, holy moly. I mean, literally he told me that there was probably like 60% of that stuff on there that he, he just, he really didn't want to do anyway. Well, there you go. There's all your time to be finding to do in writing or maybe some other things you really want to do. There's nothing worse, folks. In my humble opinion, on going in a direction that you don't want to go in just because you're trying to make somebody happy. We all have to do something like that every so often in our lives. Maybe it's a sacrifice we have to make on a temporary basis to, you know, to, for somebody we love. I got that. No problem. Go do that. I've done that before too. I'll do it again. But on a permanent basis, no. I'm not going to go in a direction that I really don't want to be in. That I don't see any fruit coming out of it. It's just a waste. How much time do I have left? We all have to ask these sort of things. Without trying to sound grim, I know we're in the, in, in the whole age of COVID here over here. And, and maybe it, it plays in what I'm, my words are saying, even though I'm not trying to make it that way. But in the end, how much time do we have? And How much time do we want to vote on things that we're not passionate about? Whether those things are people or careers or the arts. We need to make sure that whatever we're doing counts for the time that we have left. Because we don't know how much that is. And we want it to count. And it's never going to count if we don't make the right choices. If we don't make the things that we really, really, really love. The things that we really, really count on. The things that we really want to do in our heart and soul. If we don't make those a priority, we lose potential. And, and that really sometimes can't be gained back. You don't know what kind of time you have left. And I already have a number of people in, 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 my, in my life, especially in my artistic life, that... You know, they're battling all kinds of illnesses and things. Things that have nothing to do with mental illness or even physical uh, addiction, but have to do just simply with, with disease and, and what that does to the, to the person. And, and now all they do is you regret the time they lost or, or lament or all the times they could have done this, so they could have done that. Now they're not sure what kind of time they have left. I'm not sure what kind of time they're going to have left either. All I could do is commit them to, to my prayer. You know, obviously hope for the best. And I just don't want to end up in that situation that I'm sitting there with a disease and, and I'm regretting things. The disease might come for me one day. And, I, and, I, and I'll live with that. But I, I'm not going to live with all the things I could have done. That could have, should have, would have, all that crap. That's not going to be me. And I am asking you uh, from the deepest part of my heart to not let that be you. Grab that potential. Use it to your advantage. Love what you're doing. Make the time that you have. We don't know how much is left. Until next time, folks, God bless. Until our next episode, this is Strength to Be Human, The Long Road to Lost Potential, Episode 141. Thank you. Thank you for listening. Follow the show and support our efforts by visiting our sponsors at www.strengthtobehuman.com or purchasing an ebook at www.somapublishing.com.